So just this week I had one of those conversations. I hope you occasionally have. The kind of conversation where you're talking about mundane things and suddenly you realize God is in it. Like you're talking maybe about God's stuff, maybe not. Maybe about something deep and meaningful, maybe not. But something is said that makes it suddenly this kind of holy moment, this reverential God's presence is in it thing where suddenly you're speaking heart to heart with somebody and you can tell that God has put this all together. I love those conversations. I love those moments. These are God moments where something sacred and beyond the mundane everyday talking happens. <laughs> Just this week, um, I was talking with uh, someone and we were talking about some really cool, some profound truths from scripture um, in a way that kind of felt new to this other person I was talking with. And uh, so this other person, they were listening intently and, and taking it all in and the gears were, uh, were, were turning. And as we were talking, I don't even remember what was said, but there was this moment where um, he just stopped and he said, wait, what? Wow. And I thought, ooh, the light bulb just went off. <laughs> and I could tell in that moment we had moved beyond normal human conversation and that God was working on his heart. Right? Like, in fact, as we kept talking, I had the sense that God was saying, you better start talking to me and praying because uh, you're going to mess this up. So I, like, I'm speaking to him. I started praying. And, and as we continued to talk, I just thought, Lord, give me words. Help me to say the right things, not mess this up too much. Um, and as we kept talking, it was one of those sacred conversations where God showed up and what he said and what I said came together and God's presence was there among us in a very tangible way. I absolutely believe there was nothing less than God himself putting together the circumstances of our conversation. God himself orchestrating it through his spirit so that God could produce some heart change in both of us. Honestly, I look back at that conversation and I think, I trusted God more because of our interaction. Now, what if that were not exceptional, <laughs> but normal? What if that were normal? Wouldn't it be cool if you found yourself in God-orchestrated conversations like that from day to day to day, where he shows up and we just faithfully and winsomely communicate what the Spirit of God has done in us and God uses it to produce heart change. Think about that. What if that were normal for your everyday life? That's a pretty radical change of vision, honestly, when you take that and put it next to what we normally think of as a vision for our everyday, normal, boring life. <laughs> right? I think this is what God calls us to. I think this is what happens in his followers. This is what God's people do from day to day. Which is to say, instead of our normal, piddly, earthly, uh, boring and selfish goals that keep us from doing hard things, from risking the offense of the gospel, from the doing the kinds of things that we know God's called us to, right? What if instead, in fact, what if you're here today in a God-orchestrated conversation kind of way to gain through what Luke says to us in Acts, a personal vision for praying and for watching for moments like that where God's presence changes hearts and you participate in it. Think about that. That's a pretty radical change of vision. Which is to say, regular old boring, mundane, everyday conversation with somebody. 
can become God moments where the truth and the joy and the beauty of God's spirit in you takes that normal everyday circumstance from mundane to holy and hearts are changed. What if that were normal? As we look at the early church and what God's spirit is doing in the early church to move the mission of the good news forward, that's exactly the kind of radical normal that the first followers of Jesus were experiencing all the time. God orchestrated conversations where his spirit changes hearts. That was normal for them. In the New Testament book of Acts that we're going to look at today, that's written by Luke, one of God's people, his name is Peter, one of the original 12, he finds himself in one of these God shows up moments in a conversation. And we'll get there in just a second before uh, we do, though. We have to look at some important context before we jump into Luke 10, 34. Before we get to Peter's moment, there's a whole bunch of context and God putting this together that Luke points out that he wants us to see. And he starts out by giving us the context about him setting up the story with a man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman, prominent Roman soldier. He has a lot of people underneath him. He's well-known, sociopolitically connected, and he is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's non-Jewish, and Cornelius is his name, and so God sends an angel to Cornelius and tells Cornelius to send his own Roman soldiers, his own men, to a town named Joppa that's 37 miles away from where he lives in Caesarea to bring back Peter. Why? Who knows? But angels giving Cornelius direction from day to day, not a normal thing, so he says, okay, sends his men for Peter. Scene one. Scene two is the very next day. The very next day, Peter is praying on the housetop. That's where a lot of them would go to pray. He falls into a trance, Luke tells us, and while he was actually hungry, which is uh, God being funny, this will make sense in a second. While he was hungry, Peter has this vision of a, a gigantinormous sheet um, coming down from heaven. It's got a whole bunch of animals on it. And it's coming down from above, and he hears the voice from above say, Peter, kill and eat these animals. Actually, probably said, Peter, kill and eat these animals. <laughs> Deep and powerful and authoritative. Uh, it was probably the voice of Jesus from heaven coming down on this sheet, bunch of animals saying, Peter, kill and eat these animals. <laughs> All the hunters among us are like, preach it. <laughs> <clears throat> So this huge sheet descends from above, kill and eat these animals. But Peter, of course, being a good Jew, says, ha, never. I have never eaten an unclean animal, and I never will. And then the voice says again, what God has made, what God has made clean, do not call common. Meaning, what God's called clean, don't call unclean. Meaning, Peter, it's okay to eat these previously off-limits animals. And this whole scene doesn't just occur one time, it occurs three times. Uh, which for the Hebrews is like saying, pay attention, <laughs> this is important. So Peter goes away from this vision, wondering what it could mean. End of scene two. So two incidents. Two incidents where God is obviously orchestrating the events of what's going on. God sends an angel to this Gentile named Cornelius to bring Peter where Cornelius lives. Why? Who knows? And then as Peter is praying the very next day, God gives him a vision of a giant sheet coming down saying, eat these animals, saying it's okay. Why? Who knows? The very next thing that Luke tells us in the text 
is at the very moment when Peter is inwardly perplexed, Luke says, he's wondering as to what this vision might mean, the men sent from Cornelius arrive to take him to Cornelius. And of course, Jews didn't associate with Gentiles like that, especially not to go into their houses and just to hang out with them. So that would have been a no-no. And at that very moment, Luke tells us, as he's considering what this vision might mean, these men from Cornelius show up, the Spirit says to Peter, Luke tells us that God in his Spirit tells Peter to go without hesitation, because Peter had hesitation. So Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and here's how we get into Luke 10. He walks into Cornelius' house, and here's this scene where this Gentile has gathered all his Gentile friends because he's a prominent man, God-fearing. He gathers his friends. Peter walks into Cornelius' house filled with some of his own people and Cornelius' people. And, and Cornelius says, here we are, Peter, in the presence of the Lord to hear what you've been commanded by the Lord. Jump in. Acts 10, starting at verse 34. Just the first little phrase there because it's real important for us to understand. In this scene, verse 34, Acts 10, Luke tells us this. So, meaning because of all these events that have been going on that God's been orchestrating, so Peter opened his mouth. Press pause. Meaning he spoke verbally with words to talk. <laughs> Duh, Scott, we're tracking. Now, I know that seems obvious, but apparently Luke wants to put a point on this because it sets the tone for a whole bunch of things like this that go on in the text. In fact, from verse 34 uh, to 44, over a dozen times, Luke is going to say somebody spoke, somebody bore witness, uh, somebody was appointed to that bearing of witness and speaking, somebody uh, was listening to what God wanted them to do by showing up and being faithful in that God-orchestrated kind of moment. Over a dozen times throughout this text. So he tells us that being, so Peter opened his mouth, which is to say this opening one's mouth thing is apparently how God does his work to move forward the mission of the preaching of the gospel in the world. Like it's not a plan B, it is the plan A. Opening one's mouth is how God does his work through his people to move forward his mission when it comes to proclaiming the good news. And I'm making a fine point on this because I want you to see throughout this entire text that Luke makes a fine point on this. People using words filled with the truth of God to move forward God's mission. There's a really cool God orchestrating confluence, a, a together, uh, coming together thing that goes here of God's words and God's people and God's mission that we get to be a part of if we'll see it. Let's move on. So Peter opened his mouth, verse 34, and he said, truly I understand. Like at this moment, I get it. Holy cow. Now I understand. He says that God shows no partiality, no favoritism, but in every nation, even in the non-Jewish Gentile nations, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is a big moment in the history of the church because the gospel is beginning to go beyond the Jews, meaning even the Gentiles can have relationship with God. You see, 
Peter's previous vision with the sheet coming down, that was God showing Peter that God was overturning all those purity laws that had governed Israel ever since the Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, over a thousand years before that. Meaning for over a thousand years, eating only animals considered clean was how Peter and the Jews had kept themselves separate and holy and distinct from the unclean Gentiles. Actually, there were lots of ways. It was one of the most prominent ways that they kept themselves separate. But look what happens here. He says, I get it, I understand. Now, in just a couple days of God orchestrating events, which are symbolic of God orchestrating events way before that, in just the span of a couple days, Peter goes, now I get that God has orchestrated this moment and here I am to preach the gospel to you. Which is to say, if those animals coming down in the sheet, if they're okay for me to eat, And God has obviously brought me here because Cornelius, this Gentile, (laughs) has been faithful to God's leading in his life. And he's gathered his friends to hear what I have to say. And here I am speaking the truth of Jesus to them. This is for them too. And here I am. God bringing me to this moment so that his mission can move forward. This is a big deal for Peter to realize this and for the history of the church and for the mission of the gospel. So in this moment right here, Peter gets it and Luke says he opened his mouth, he begins to preach the word, the message about Jesus and then verse 36, notice how much God's initiated this whole message uh, moving forward for mission thing. God's initiated this whole thing. Look for the ways in which um, he talks about the word going forth, being sent, preached, anointed, witnesses. It says this, verse 36. As for the word, the message that God sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, you yourselves know, Peter preaching to the Jews and Gentiles listening, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Meaning Jesus' message of good news was accompanied by signs and miracles that verified that he was from the Father. And then Peter says this, look at verse 39. We and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And then he tells the basic gospel message. They put him to death, meaning they put Jesus to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, literally appointed beforehand by God as witnesses, witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he commanded us meaning he gave us orders to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who was, again, appointed by God. God's orchestrating this whole thing. Appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead, which is to say we're appointed to speak of the one whom God has appointed to judge the living and the dead. That's how he's put this together, which is why we can have confidence. We'll get there soon. To him, to Jesus, all the prophets who came before bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Through his name. The message of forgiveness of sins through Jesus has been the intended message going all the way back to the prophets of old as God put together. In other words, verses 36 through 43, God has been putting all this together and the prophets and the Jews 
And now the Gentiles and Peter in that moment have all been appointed to witness to the truth of the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And this is the amazing thing here. It is God the Father's word, his message from his heart that does this work and that moves this mission forward. It's just the faithfulness of the prophets, the remnant of the Jews, Peter himself, and the Gentiles to show up and to be faithful to what God's called them to do, to open their mouths, that God uses to move forward the message of the good news. And then he closes up by saying, as a sign that God's truly in charge of all this, to verify this, verses 44 and following, look, look at this. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised, I mean the Jews who had come with Peter, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, which is to say the message of Jesus that makes hearts new through the Spirit was for all nations. Big deal. This is a big deal in the history of the church and of the gospel moving forward. Now, there are a few features in this scene I want to recall to mind uh, before we make one little point of application for us. All the way from verses 34 through 44, Luke uses well over a dozen uh, words or phrases to describe speaking or bearing witness or being uh, a testimony to testify to the truth of God's message, God's word. The truth that came from God's heart that was spoken through the prophets that his people, the remnant of his people were faithful to, uh, that, that Peter and the other first uh, followers were faithful to. Twelve plus words or phrases used by Luke to describe speaking, bearing witness to, uh, being faithful to testify to uh, as, as God's appointed messengers. Another thing I want you to notice here Again, as it says in verse 34, it says, Peter opened his mouth. Yes, God can use all of the other ways in your life which you live in integrity with to demonstrate the gospel and to model it. But what we see in the New Testament is perhaps the primary means of God's message moving forward is the verbal proclamation of the good news. None of this scene that we just studied here, none of it happens. God's message moving forward and doing its work had Peter not opened his mouth. God could have and probably would have used someone else. There are lots of other things like this in Acts that we've seen where people open their mouths. But God had orchestrated all this and put it together and Peter was faithful and in that moment he opened his mouth. Which is to say God's message moves forward when we speak good news to hearts that really desperately need to hear it. More desperately than we think, than we're aware of, than we see, than we look for. It's the message of the good news that revives and makes hearts new. The Spirit regenerates hearts because that feels like good news to people who are ready to know that they are lost in their sins forever without Jesus the open proclamation of the gospel matters. Another thing I want us to see here is this. Uh, throughout Luke's entire account, there are numerous hints uh, that God's putting things together. We've talked about a lot of them here, just a few that are kind of cool. Uh, while they're preparing the food and Peter's hungry, 
He has the vision of the animals. It says, while. While Peter was inwardly perplexed about what all this means, Cornelius' men show up. While Peter was pondering again whether or not to go with Cornelius, the Spirit shows up and says, go without hesitation, (laughs) because he's hesitant. God has orchestrated this scene. And then lastly, another thing I want us to see, it's a little bit weird sounding at first, but I think it's helpful. In the preceding context, angels help carry out God's plan. The word angel in its simplest form just means messenger of God, an intermediary for God who carries out his commands. In the Bible, most of the time, uh, the overwhelming majority of the time, angels just act as intermediaries to carry out God's plan, intermediaries between God and his people. So here's the point. Think about this. If the angels were given the job to proclaim the gospel, the job would be done. And we wouldn't have it. Right? Like if God had appointed the angels to do this, to take his message to the nations, the work would be done. (laughs) Peter says in that moment, now I understand. This is my job. This is what I'm standing here before you to do. Now I understand that what God has been doing is he's been making for himself a new people that crosses over borders, that carries forth his message. It used to be about me separating myself from others to stay pure and clean and distinct from them, but now it's about going to the others to preach the gospel. When Jesus says in Mark 3.35 that it is those who do the will of the Father, those are the ones who are God's people, he's saying, in part, God's putting together a people who are going to carry forth his message to the world. A people called by his word to preach his word. And here's the amazing truth of what we've said here today. It's profound, really. God has ordained that normal human speech filled with the truth that comes from his spirit is the primary means for how he himself communicates to human hearts. God's people opening their voices, being faithful to show up, is God's strategy to move his mission forward. Jesus himself said that in terms of uh, the extent to which his followers would work, he said, they're going to do even greater works than I, he said. Because Jesus himself knew that after he left, you and I would be left here to carry on his work. So friends, that's why we're gathered. That's why we're his people. To let the word do the work through you, through us. Because we can be confident that God has appointed you to show up faithfully in everyday conversations with people. We may not have Roman centurions showing up to take us away. We may not have sheets from heaven in visions. But we have everything we need. And we need to remember that God is at work. God is at work in the hearts of people all around us. Every day, preparing them to hear his truth. God is at work in the hearts of people around us every day, preparing them to hear his truth to speak to hearts. And you and I have been prepared, called, appointed, 
put together as his people to speak it. God's put this all together so his message will work. (laughs) And while this certainly isn't a promise you're going to bat a thousand, (laughs) it's a promise that your faithfulness to show up and to open your mouth and to be a witness will be used by God for his purposes and for your joy. So we can have confidence that God's strategy works. Confidence that God's gonna show up in our everyday conversations if we're watching and if we're ready for it. God orchestrated conversations. God orchestrated conversations where suddenly God is softening hearts and speaking in a way that changes hearts. That's normal for God's people. It's normal for God's people. That's what we see in the early church. God showing up in everyday conversations if we're watching and if we're ready for it. I'd like to suggest that we keep one thing top of mind and heart this week. Just one thing top of mind and heart every day this week. And that if we do this, uh, I believe God's going to show up in our everyday conversations. So here's your homework uh, for the week. Simply this. Pray and watch. Pray and watch for one um, God-orchestrated conversation every day. Just pray and watch for at least, at least one God-orchestrated conversation every day. Just think about this. Just imagine. If we as a congregation, if we as God's people, if we prayed and we watched for one God-orchestrated conversation a day, if we entered into our conversations with others prayerfully and we, we were watching for a moment where, where, where God shows up, without even slightly exaggerating, you, your family, your job, this entire community would be radically changed for the cause of Christ. God works through people who are faithful to communicate his message of forgiveness of sins through Jesus if we are just prayerful and watchful. Now I know, I know as soon as I say, go evangelize, I know ever so like, I've been evangelizing for years. I see very little fruit. It's tempting to feel like, I'm trying, I promise. Um, I realize, <clears throat> I realize this is hard. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think God will be faithful to work. Um, somebody just handed me this card earlier, um, and I wanted to read it to you. Um, it was given to me, but I wanted to read it to you. Um, so that you hear it this way. Uh, If you've ever wondered whether you've made an impact on someone else's life, or if the things you've shared have inspired hope and courage, or if the way you've lived has shown faith and integrity, oh yes, you have, you make a difference every day, thanking God for you and for your ministry. This person said, I just want to thank you for what you do. And look at this. I am so thankful that God led us to First Christian Church. You've done so much for us, Scott. I just happen to get the credit. The people of God who are faithful, who come together, who care for one another, who proclaim the gospel. God's people move this mission forward. Truth be told, I have done very little other than what I'm doing right now, standing up and proclaiming the gospel for this person to give me this card. All we have to do is be faithful, to show up in the ways that God has given us and the means of our testimony, proclaiming the gospel, can be used to soften hearts if we let it. Be encouraged, friends. 
This is how he's made this to work. If we'll be faithful. Let's pray. Indeed, Lord, we often wonder if, uh, if our work makes an impact on the lives of people around us. And so we want to, in the quiet of this moment, Lord, trust afresh the amazing truth uh, that we can have confidence, that we can trust that you've gone before us to soften hearts, to ready people to hear. So that as we are faithful to show up, that you would turn uh, otherwise mundane, everyday conversations into moments where your spirit, your spirit will do its work, that you will do the work that only you can do. Father, we pray that this would continue to be true in us um, so that as we are faithful, that you would make yourself known, that lives would be changed, that you would call sons and daughters to yourself. And so that as we see that happening among us, Lord, all over this city and county through your people, we would be encouraged to give ourselves to the work to which you've called us. Because, Lord, we, we believe our joy, even in the here and now, is wrapped up in saying yes to your vision for our lives. We thank you for Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.